Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Chop. And today we have not just another episode, but we actually have our semester finale. Here is Courtney Evans and Gabe Tisnes to talk about a pretty exciting matchup tonight. We have Florida State playing number four seeded BYU on the National College Cup final. Courtney, how do we even get started with this episode? Um, I don't know because it's, it's been quite the season for the Florida State soccer program and Florida State fans witnessed heartbreak last year against Santa Clara and then Santa Clara gets knocked out by BYU again uh, in PKs and Florida State fans can only be praying that tonight actually goes in their favor unlike last year. Yeah, Santa Clara was on the other side of the bracket with BYU and they narrowly lost to them and uh, they were not going to get the opportunity to beat Florida State once again in the final. It was going to be an exciting rematch yeah. if it were to happen because Santa Clara is hosting the the final four side of the, the, the tournament. So Florida State fans will be able to rejoice if they win. Um, but I think there was a sweeter victory that, that was uh, at hand. But now it's no longer on the table. But a third College Cup final in four years, yeah. I think that'll, that'll suffice for Florida yeah. State fans. And the seniors are just itching for one more national championship victory while they're still Florida State students. I mean, I'm, I know you've interviewed plenty of them all season long, so have I. I've talked to Coach Krikorian, and for me, they've always said, I don't even care if we won or lost this game. We're just focused on the end goal, and their end goal since the beginning has been the national championship. So, I mean, it's, it's only fitting to see this team make it this far because they've pushed themselves to get to this point all season long. Uh, but by no means will BYU be an easy, an easy matchup for us. Yeah, I mean, the front front title, front page of the FSVU, uh, <laughs> it says football school. And uh, it's not because of Florida State football, uh, the men's side of things. It's uh, because of the women's soccer team, who has just been such a joy for me to cover. Um, as Courtney said, we've had the pleasure to cover them throughout the whole season. And it's it's been the expectation the whole yeah. year. Ever since they lost, they wanted to get back. Players like Gabby Carl have been really, really vocal about it, and even Jalen Howell. Gianna um, Mitchell as Gianna well. Mitchell, um, even Krikorian, he, he's not shy about where he thinks this program is. He's pretty humble, if anything. Um, he's always willing to give credit to the opposition, but he has set up this team in a way to kind of navigate all the obstacles that can come from being in the ACC, probably the best conference of women's soccer today. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they faced a couple really good teams in Pepperdine, Michigan, yeah. and, uh, the latest being Rutgers. Even against Rutgers, we didn't, they didn't look like they were playing their best soccer. I mean, mm -hmm. those last 10 minutes, if you were a Florida yeah. State fan, you were sitting there clenching onto whatever was next to you because they had, Rutgers had many, many opportunities to score within those final 10 minutes of the match. Yeah. The, the game started out in Florida State's favor. I think due to their experience, they, they came out shooting, I believe it was three times in the first five mm -hmm. minutes, including uh, Beata Olsen, who headed the ball to the crossbar. And uh, it, added, it ended on uh, Leilanina's bets yeah. lap, and she, she shot it, but it, it got deflected and landed on a corner kick. But Florida State came out shooting, and then Rutgers kind of just got into the game. They, they, they let the nerves... Um, kind of get the best of them in the first couple of minutes. But after that, they, 
they were they were able to match Florida State's intensity. And to me, the game really seemed open, uh, not just in the, the score, but how the teams were playing. The ball was uh, being spread throughout the whole field. It was and, a very uh, relaxed offensive attack from Florida State from mm-hmm. what we've seen in the past. Yeah. Like, I mean, they used the whole width of the field mm-hmm. quite often, but against Rutgers, they weren't pushing as hard as they typically were. Like, they'd stand outside the box and pass it from the right to the left, but in other games, you just see them push. They just push right into that box and get all up on the other team's defender and goalkeeper. Yeah, the the Rutgers four two four formation was yeah pretty interesting. Um, it's probably the most generic way to say that, but uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was really clever how they they matched Florida State's um, style of play. They they pushed them in the the first line of defense um, with the four attackers, and then if they they bypassed that, which didn't really always happen at the start of the game, at least. Um, in the first half, I should say. Um, then they, they dropped back all the way to a low block and just put about eight women in the box, yeah. which made it really hard for Florida, no State, yeah, for Florida State to, to do much. Um, and in typical Florida State fashion, they, they dominated possession with 66% by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. But once again, when you face these bigger teams, um, these opportunities that you usually get are not going to be as direct. And that's usually what we've seen from this team during the tournament. They've won their, I believe, third consecutive 1-0 game. Yeah. If I'm, yeah, third consecutive 1-0 game. Pepperdine, Michigan, and then BYU. Yeah. Pepperdine was uh, Jody Brown scoring in the first five minutes, and then Beata Olsen scoring the golden goal win in the first half of extra yeah. time. And now uh, Jalen Howell being the, the heroic captain that she is. She she was in the right place at the right time like she always yeah, she is. Was. And she scored in the 71st minute of a corner kick rebound, which to some people, it seemed like a pretty fluky goal, but I think Florida State fought for that. And yeah. in the second half, they Rutgers, once again, they came out like they were in the first half, um, bringing the game to Florida State, but Florida State was able to handle everything that they gave them. And they just put themselves in positions where they were going to get that lucky rebound one way or another. Um, I, I did not get the sense at all that Florida State was going to go home not score a single goal. Did you get that feeling? No, not at all. I think the whole reason that the offense might have looked like they were struggling against Rutgers is because we don't play the teams we've been playing. Well, Florida State doesn't play the teams they've been playing in the regular season. Like you look at the ACC mm-hmm. championship against Virginia and the road it took to get there, they play those teams all season long. Mm-hmm. So Coach Krikorian has the film of his two teams playing each other to yeah. know they're probably going to expect this from us again. So we're going to switch our game plan and do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rutgers had never faced them. They had never played, faced Rutgers. So they went out there with a game plan. And until you're on that field with them, you don't know if your game plan is going to work or not. And I think it just showed a lot of character from Florida State and the coaching staff that they found a way to still get the ball to the back of the net. Whether it was a fluke goal or not, they, they still walked out of there with the victory. Yeah, and that's been a theme I've seen throughout the tournament. Florida State has been able to do the mid-game adjustments to get the victory, and it also comes down to the players wanting to, to win. They they almost will themselves to, to win at times with their hard work and intensity, and, um, I mean, they're in the final. Like, yeah. They are going to give it all they have against BYU. Um, the match, once again, is going to be played tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, on ESPNU. Yeah. <laughs> so go check that out. Um, 
I'm not going to get into predictions yet, but what do you see? Uh, how do you see this game kind of playing out before we get into the actual score? So after watching BYU against Santa Clara, the reigning champs, BYU is a very talented and well-rounded team. They came out of that tunnel and just instantly put all the pressure they possibly could on Santa Clara. And just like what happened with Rutgers against Florida State, Santa Clara kind of struggled to get themselves in the game. And then once they got themselves in the game, the pace of the game remained very fast-paced. And there was plenty of opportunities for both from both sides of the ball, but neither of them could execute until, honestly, the PK is like nothing happened. Um, but I will say this, after watching the way BYU played and the way Santa Clara played, BYU 100% deserved to win that game. They just seemed to be playing with more aggressiveness and more heart than Santa Clara did. Um, and that's kind of crazy because Santa Clara had their home fields advantage those fans in that stadium you could hear them in the background just chanting trying to get the be uh, the Santa Clara players excited and play with more energy than they were um, I think Florida State just needs to stop the early attacks that BYU is going to come out and try to execute mm-hmm. and they need to respond they can't just stop the attacks and then lose the ball at midfield they need to mm-hmm. instantly just take it back and put that same pressure on the BYU defenders because if they're playing a fast-paced game and our players start to slow down on the defensive side, they're going to score, and eventually our girls are just going to get drained. And um, I know Coach Krikorian was standing at the top of the stadium watching the BYU versus Santa Clara game. So I can only imagine his takeaways from watching them and the game plan he's telling his girls in the locker room for tonight. Yeah, I mean, Coach Krikorian always talks about how He's going to watch film the next day and <laughs> get the, the scouting report yeah. right away. And I think this is, this is a game where Florida State, once again, will focus on what they do and let that dictate um, how the game goes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much the film will, will actually play into the lineup because we did see, I believe, Ron Iwai, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. She started on the left wing of that 4-3-3 yeah. that Florida State usually plays with. Uh, which was a big surprise because that was their second start of the whole season. And I believe she's a sophomore. So um, for a Florida State team to have so much depth and talent, we obviously understand that it's not a matter of, oh, this, this player is starting and, and that's because they're they're better or because they, they trust them more in this moment. It's actually more of a matter of Coach McCoy has a plan for how the game will go and he has an idea of what players he wants on the pitch together. Yeah. So I'm curious to see who's going to get that nod because we've seen – uh, Christina Lynch and Jenna Nyswanger um, be deployed on that left wing. Um, so there, there's definitely options for Florida State. But Are you one... expecting Nyswanger to be on the starting after how she came out against Rutgers and just kind of completely shifted the momentum of how Florida State was playing? I think she's the best player. I, yeah, I think she is I'd agree. the best player. And I, I've never really been a fan of Christina, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I do think she has... Um, a lot of uses for this team, but I think she's better off the bench. Um, and I think this this is a team that succeeds whenever they're winning. That's whenever they feel most comfortable. Yeah. Because if you get to the 70th minute, like you did against Rutgers, like you did against Michigan, and you still haven't scored, you leave yourself vulnerable to a single counterattack, um, getting a, a 1-0 deficit with less than 25 minutes to go. Not only that, but when you're – in a tie game like that and you know what's on the line you Mm -hmm. start to play on your toes more you start to just take the shots take the shots you don't play 
organized soccer anymore. It's kind mm-hmm. of just if the ball is at your feet and you have a shot, take the shot. Don't mm-hmm. try to make a play happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were very fortunate to get that corner kick because it probably would have gone to extra time if it wasn't for that I think corner so kick goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was my one fear. It's We've seen three straight 1-0 victories, which, you know, it doesn't really matter how you win, but at the same time, you can only go so far by doing the same thing over and over. I mean, look at last year with the PKs. Yeah. I mean, and, and last year, Florida State got the 1-0. Uh, there's an airplane flying by. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're recording outside on Landon's screen because it's finals week and uh, everyone decided to book every possible yeah. room. So, uh, But it's, it's really good weather, I would say, so I'm not complaining. But getting back to the game, last year we saw how Florida State in the final they scored around the 70th minute, I believe, if yeah. I remember correctly, maybe, maybe a little bit earlier. But um, it, to me, it seemed like a done deal. And there was no doubt in my mind that Florida State was going to win that game 1-0. Like, they they barely won the, the, the previous games, either in penalties or whatever. But then Santa Clara came in, and they tied it. And then you run the risk of going to PKs, and then in PKs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think you go for the game early on with Jen and Eiswanger. And you you just go for it. Um, I mean, you're still having Jui Zhao off the bench. Like that's probably your third or fourth best player. And you're putting it's, her. It off still the bench. blows my mind that yeah. there's not much talent on the team that Krikorian does not put her in his starting lineup. Yeah, every game I have to argue against myself, and, and like I I don't know half the soccer that Mark Krikorian does, but I know that you usually want your best players on the field for as yeah. much as for as much as possible, but. It seems like he, he knows what he's doing with, with Juri Zhao and the rest of the I, team. I almost feel like he takes the approach of 100% she could have the position in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. but she offers more to what that team does on the field mm-hmm. when she comes in as a substitute. Yeah. Because he has said it several times during the season that his substitutes change the momentum of the game. Yeah. And so maybe that's also why Nicewanger might not be in the starting lineup today. He might think, well, let me hold off on putting her in until mm-hmm. I see that the team need somebody to get on that field and just change the shifting of the game. And I think either way, if you start UI, if you start Nyswanger, if you start Lynch, Florida State will still be better player to player um, on talent, on paper, whatever you want to call it, than BYU. They're, they're number yeah. 13. They're a fourth seed on the tournament. And no disrespect to them, but Florida State has been the best team, not just this year, but the last year as well. So they have the experience, they have the talent, they have the coaching. They have the motivation. They don't have anything lacking, really, other than, um, you know, kind of scoring early on in the game. But if they do that, if they do that, then the game will be in their hands. In their hands, and yeah. It'll it'll be down to them to lose the game at that point, yeah, which is because the this best is, player, the, the best position you want to be in. This is BYU's first appearance in the national championship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they might have some tournament experience. They definitely have talented players on their team. They've had a decent season but it's nothing compared to florida state's program and their experience of being in in these cleats at this point of the stage on on this point of the stage and i agree if florida state comes out there and they get on the board early they're going to secure their lead because as we've seen all season long there's nothing that better than florida state does than the percentage of possession they hold during the first and second halves especially Mm -hmm. if if they're up one or one or more goals yeah, and a player that I'm curious to see off the bench, um, more than likely, I, I don't assume this uh, changing, but Heather Payne, she is yeah. a junior, 
And she came on against Rutgers, and she was one of the best players on the field for the time that she was there. Um, I think she played, if I'm not mistaken, she played She played 41 minutes off the bench. I mean, that's almost half the game. And no, no substitute that came in for Florida State didn't play at least 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Rutgers only had two meaningful substitutes um, with at least 25 minutes. So Florida State will have the players. They will have the legs, even though they've been uh, through a lot the last couple of years with, with so much tournament experience. But at the end of the day, you have to play the finals. You don't just come into the final and win them. Right. You have to play them. Um, anything can happen. And I just, as a Florida State fan, you just have to hope Christina Roque yeah. does what she did last game. Yeah. Because if it was not for her several saves, mm-hmm. it probably would have been a tied game at the end of the 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, the first save. Um, early on in the game. In, in the, in the, I think it was early on in the second half. Uh, I thought that was a goal. I I, yeah. <laughs> I saw the shot yeah. and I saw where she was positioned and I said, "That's one nil. You're losing. You got to get back yeah. in the game." And uh, she saved it. And then she saved it again uh, late but in the, the game. crossbar shot was another one that was like, "Oh my goodness, that's that's going in. That's yeah. going to come down and bounce over the line." But somehow it did not. Yeah, Christina Rocky. She won man of the match um, or woman of the match. I'm not sure <laughs> how that that's decided, but um, yeah, she won player of the game. Uh, according to ESPNU, although I think I thought Jalen Howell uh, would have probably won it, in my opinion, if I was voting. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think that Christina Roque will play a big part once again. I I'm not super comfortable with her having the ball on her feet, but she's been tested against teams like Pepperdine and Michigan, so I think she she's kind of reaching her peak uh, of her game. But more importantly, I think, is the back line with Emily Madrid and Lauren Flynn. Um, the fullbacks, Gabby Carl and or Kristen Pavlisko, mm-hmm. that's how you say it. And uh, they, they've pitched all five of them 13 shutouts this year. They've yeah. played, I believe, 24 games, something like that. And, yeah, I mean, they're an amazing unit. Florida State doesn't know what it has. Next year, they're going to miss them so much. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I know Emily wants to win this so bad because she's been here since 2018 when they won it. So for her to have to wait almost four years to win it again, uh, it's going to be the best way to send players like her and Jalen Howell and Juwi Zhao and so many off. I'm honestly thinking about the future. Uh, I know it's the final today, but this is going to be the last game for so many amazing players in this team that – I'm going to just miss. And it's going to be weird because for you and I both, our entire time as Florida State students, this is the team that we know. This is the expectation. We don't, we don't know Florida State soccer without them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing looking at our basketball team this year. Yeah. We lost all those guys last year, and the Florida State men's basketball team is not doing that well. Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to be a little bit concerned and scared of what the future of this Florida State pro- soccer program has to offer. However with a coach like Mark Krikorian, I would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't develop the program past them. I mean, he probably he definitely has his eyes on other people right now. He knows he has a general idea of what's going to happen. But at the same time, his focus this entire season has just been the national championship. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. The future of FSU soccer is definitely intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with players like Ronnie Y, like we talked about, she's a sophomore. And Beata Olsen, she's also a sophomore. Yeah. Um, 
Jan and I swung Leilani and Isbeth. Um, they're juniors. They're going to be here, and they're going to actually be playing more minutes like, they, like they've yeah. been wanting to. Um, and Christina Roque, she's a sophomore, and you can go on and on. There's, there's players here that are going to still be here, but will they be as good as the Jalen Howells? A player that's on been, and off the field because the yeah. those players, the younger ones, they look up to them for mm-hmm. everything. So people like Jenna Nyswanger, she's going to have to fill in some big shoes and be ready to welcome the newcomers and show, show them the ropes of how this program operates. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I I think they, they've been – taught pretty well but even then like it's such a tall task to yeah to fill in their shoes but that's that's in the future let's let's put that away for a second because the final is still to be played tonight so Courtney what is your prediction for tonight I'm gonna say 2-0 Florida State 2-0 mm, yeah another shout out yeah. yeah I just I just feel like the Florida State girls, players, coaching staff, everybody is just itching mm-hmm. for this victory. And I think they'll come out and get on the board early. And then at halftime, Kerkorian will be like, it's not enough. Yeah. One is not is not a good protection to be in. Mm-hmm. And they'll score another and then just push through and prevent BYU from getting anything in the back of the net. So How about you? They, they, they learn from their mistakes. That's what I'm yeah. getting. They learn from their their mistakes last year, and they they get that send off that so many players are have been waiting for yeah. a whole year. I, I have to agree with you. I it's hard for me to think that it's going to be more than than one goal based on what we've seen the last couple of games. But I think there's something about the final that's yeah. really going to get these girls motivated. Um, I think it's just understanding you can't sit back and wait for that one amazing opportunity on goal. You have to make those opportunities, and you have to make them from the first minute to the 90th minute. Yeah, I do think it, it's going to come down to marker point. Um, yeah. As much as I, I think the players are the ones that actually go out and play the game, I think marker coin is going to dictate, based on his lineup and his, his substitution choices, how the, how the, the game, game will be go. played and, yeah. and how, how aggressive force they will come out in the first half. Um, I don't anticipate – uh, one of the, the center backs getting dispossessed like they did last year or, or having a turnover in the back line and yeah. them, you know, conceding a goal based that way. So I think BYU will have to earn it. They'll have to do something special. And Florida State will just be too good for them on the defensive side of the board. So I do think there's a chance that it ends up 3-1. Okay. But I think that's way too high scoring based on what we've seen in the last couple of games. So, but that wouldn't be high scoring to the Florida State football soccer program if you've looked at them from game one. Yeah. Prior to these last few games, Florida State has put up mm. several goal, goals yeah. a game, sometimes as, as high as six or more. Yeah. So it's it's not it's definitely not impossible for them to put up three goals tonight against BYU. Yeah, um, it's definitely not. I, I just think four goals in a game, the over-under is probably around two and a half yeah. for total goals. So, part of me wants to take the under, but there's there's a part of me that that sees this game just being the culmination of this this program the last four years, the the freshman class of 2017 and 2018, and um, they've been so special. So, it's it would be a shame if they they won and lost. And yeah, it would. Um, but I think that's about it for soccer. We can move on to 
the football part of it, <laughs> the program where we, we talk about the team that's not in the national championship, not in the playoffs. Not in a bowl game. Not in a bowl game. The doesn't Florida, have a winning record. Doesn't have a winning <laughs> record. They were so, so close, but they finished one game short um, of being even 500 for that matter. The Florida State Seminoles, they finished their season in an ugly fashion against the rival Gators in Gainesville. Very, very ugly. Yeah, and it's been a couple couple of days, so Courtney and I have had the chance to process and, and cope with everything, but I think the, the pain is still there. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Um, I think it's just for the Florida State fans and the entire football program, honestly, that game was disappointing. Everyone watched that team grow so much from when they started 0-4. And that team that we saw against the Florida Gators, it it looked like the team that the team that they were early on in the season, um, and I just it just wasn't a good look to end the season, um, and now the fear of what in the world is that defense going to do with how many players they're losing, especially Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. Um, is the future still Jordan Travis, or do they have to start looking elsewhere? There's just a lot of unknowns about this program and the coaching staff. What's going to happen with them? And it's just, it's just a lot to to take in and see how it all unfolds. The coaching staff, Courtney says. What, what do you mean by that? I just don't know what the future of the Florida State football program's coaching staff is going to look like, besides the fact that Coach Norvell is not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's why. I needed some clarification there because, yeah. I mean, Adam Fuller has somehow saved his job. I thought by midseason it was a foregone conclusion. He would be the sacrificial lamb by the end of the season. And even Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, he's he's been the biggest Jordan Travis supporter, I think, uh, besides Mike Norvell and Mackenzie Milton. But even him, he, he seems pretty locked in. Um, the way that he's been able to manage the offense with the talent that he has, he's shown growth just like the players have. But... But this game, once again, it showed the deficit in talent. It showed the deficit in, in, in coaching. And uh, if anything, it's a reminder going into the offseason that the work that has been done this year is not enough. It's just a start. It's just a start. And where this program goes from now, it's up to the players. It's up to Coach Norvell. But I do think it's in capable hands. I think it's the promise of something better. Will that promise be delivered? We, we will wait to see in a couple of months. Yeah. I mean, based on what's happening in the portal right now, I do have a strong theory that Norvell has something up his, up his sleeve as far as the offensive line goes. Uh, what is it? We've had two or three Florida State offensive linemen that have entered the portal. So you got to wonder if Norvell's kind of sat them down and been like, hey, listen, you're not the guys who want protecting your quarterback. Like, you're not going to get playing time here, so enter the portal. Kind of like yeah. what happened with Chella. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if all those players are leaving – Norvell has to go out there and bring other ones in. Mm-hmm. We don't have the depth to just easily replace oh, <laughs> offensive linemen like that. Um, but on the bright side, several players received ACC awards from football. Mackenzie Milton got uh, the Piccolo Award. <laughs> Jermaine Johnson was named to ACC. I believe it was first team, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He was the ACC. And he was the Defender of the yeah. Year. Right. Um, That'll get you in the first team. <laughs> yeah. So... Props to him for coming in here and absolutely making Florida State fans go crazy over him. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to see where he will end up. No doubt he's going to be a first-round pick at first this round. point. 
Um, maybe he'll end up with some of the other Florida State defenders that are killing it in the NFL. But then again, he didn't play with them, so it wouldn't <laughs> be the same. Um, but, yeah, this offseason is going to be a lot of growing and continuing to improve. And Norvell is just going to have to continuously show these recruits and the players right in front of him right now that he is the answer for this program and show them why he is. Yeah, the defensive line will be very interesting to see, just like the offensive line, but the trenches are something that FSU needs to to really build for this program to, to be successful going forward. Something that I am excited, though, is who's coming in, and that's Travis Hunter. Mm-hmm. We've talked about him forever and ever, it seems like, but he is finally going to be coming. He is officially... Uh, as officially as he can be at this point, yeah, um, he's sh- committed to Florida He's shut down all the rumors several times, so I think it's safe yeah. to say that Travis Hunter is going to be a Seminole. <laughs> <laughs> so pop your champagne, Seminole fans, because yeah. you're getting the best player, the best prospect at least from, from high school uh, this year. And he'll pair up nicely with players like uh, Jamie Robinson. I, I do think he's he's almost secured a starting spot um, for the next year. I, yeah. he's, he's really improved a lot, and I think players like uh, I think I forgot his name, but it's like Omarion Wilson. Um, he, he he got the defensive player of the week, defensive back of the mm-hmm. week against uh, Miami. He I can't really, confirm or deny if you said the first name right, but I know his last I, name is Wilson. I definitely butchered it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> regardless, there's another good DB in there that that that's promising. He's a freshman, so he's definitely gonna you know be need be molded more and more. Nowhere near the the finished product that, that you expect him to be. But the defensive backs seem to be in the right track. Um, the linebackers, to me, still seem to be the weakest unit. Yeah, uh, and wide defense. receivers. Oh, wide receivers. Yeah, you can just take your pick on, on the FSC football team. Yeah. And, 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 throwing and, to one is like throwing to all of them at this point. Yeah. Just. Well, as much as I'd like to sit here and talk negatively about the football <laughs> team, I think I'm just going to focus on the fact that the women's soccer team is on the final. Um, once again, it's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. It's going to be quite the match. I, I really hope that everyone tunes in and supports the team. But I think that's going to do it for us, Courtney. Yeah. It's been a pleasure covering the, the football team, the both football teams, the basketball team, everything going on with FSC Athletics. But I think this was going to be our last show of the semester. So hopefully we see you guys back in the spring in for the spring. more Florida State sports coverage. Yeah, we'll be covering basketball. Baseball, uh, softball. Baseball. Oh, my gosh. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, once again, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been Talk and Shop.